afternoon and welcome to Town Square. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich, and as we tell you each week, our conversations include you. If you'd like to be part of them, the phone number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689, and the phone lines are open. This week, the Hawaii Community Foundation's Environmental Funders Group released its first State of the Environment report. The 15 organizations and two individuals used already existing data to benchmark Hawaii's work on its environment in three key areas, freshwater security, renewable energy, and community-based marine management, at least for this year. The focus of Moku, the State of the Environment report, will change next year, though the ongoing goal is to track the progress of current resource protection while identifying future impact opportunities. We'll look at the report's three areas with three representatives of the group. Each has a specific focus. Murray Clay, managing partner of Ulupono Initiative, is here to look at renewable energy. Eric Koh is the senior program officer for marine conservation at the Harold Castle Foundation. He'll be looking at community-based marine management. And Josh Stanbro joins us. He's the Strategy Initiatives and Networks Director for the Hawaii Community Foundation. And he'll be taking on freshwater security. And you're here, too. We're wondering if you've seen this report, and if so, was there a meaningful takeaway for you? And if not, well, you can find the report at helonomoku.com, and you can follow along with us and give us a call with your questions or your comments, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Gentlemen, thank you for making time for being here. Aloha, Bethan. Happy to be here. Aloha. Thanks for having me. Well, as funders... What drew you to the idea of, of creating a report like this? Josh, you want to start? Sure. Um, you know, we've been getting together as um, funders for several years now. And what we really found as we started working closer and closer together um, is that there, there didn't really exist a really easily accessible document that the public um, and that decision makers could access to really find out what's happening What's a state across the environment and sustainability sector? Uh, we all work in our own sectors. We tend to get siloed. Um, and as we work together and we started to see those um, synergies and connections happen between these, two, these different topic areas, we thought that there should be sort of one go-to place um, that really summarized not only you know, what we were saying, but really what the Aloha Plus Challenge um, calls for and calls, calls us as a state to achieve. And um, we've got you know, the, the four governors and um, OHA, the legislature, and, and um, or the four mayors, per, uh, pardon me, and, and the governor have all signed off on these targets around Aloha Plus. And so we thought there should be something every year that really called us back to those principles and see how we're doing against those metrics. Eric, with all of this data that's here in the report, which we should say is all of nine pages, very easily digestible. You can pick and choose bits and pieces to focus on, but all of this data existed already. How did you go about tracking what you wanted to focus with the data? Was there any discussion about which part of the data you were going to take? Thanks, Bethan. I think, as Josh alluded to, there's actually a dashboard uh, that is tracked by the state, uh, thanks to leadership within our state environmental departments, as well as in the legislature, our Maui, uh, excuse me, our, our county mayors and our governor, uh, there is a fairly robust dashboard that I, I think personally is very progressive uh, that tracks six sustainability goals. And so the report is actually just an add-on or um, a, a narrative for the data that's being tracked. 
So for us to be able to really kind of highlight those things that I think uh, the public would want to know about. And I think uh, we as a group were hoping that this was the kind of accessible uh, information that would just help folks uh, orient themselves to not only some of the, you know, challenges, but also some of the bright spots. You know, there's a lot of good work happening out there, and uh, we're hopeful that folks will understand that where we live is no less a paradise. It just makes our problems that much more real. Murray, why then, if there is the dashboard, create a report? Well, the environment is a really, really big topic. It's not only big, obviously, physically, but it's a very big topic. And most people really care about it, we think, but they don't have the time and the ability to go through these ponderous technical tomes of various environmental topics. And so people care about it. They want to know about it. They need something very easy to digest. They can pick it up. They could literally have it on their coffee table as casual reading, even though it's not a casual topic. It's very important. And so really, it's just an effort to make information transparent and available to everybody on something that affects all of us. Now, it's only been available for the last 24 hours or so, so it's highly possible that if you're listening to us tonight, you haven't yet seen the report. But if you have, we'd like to hear from you, 941-3689, if you're on Oahu, that's the number to call, or 877-941-3689, if you're somewhere other than on Oahu or perhaps even listening to the live stream, that's the number to get to us. Now, even if you haven't seen the report, obviously we talk a lot about the environment. We talk a lot about having fresh water. We talk a lot about what we're going to do about renewable energy and being able to meet the 2045 renewable standard. All of the things that we have seen playing out in the news, especially as we look at the Marine uh, National Monument, That, all that said, are people really that clued into what is happening in Hawaii to maintain our environment, or are they really sort of just on the periphery of that? How involved are people Josh, do you have any idea? Well, I think there's a range. Um, you know, for for most people, including myself, I mean, you get kids, you got family, and you, I mean, there's not a lot of time to do extraneous stuff and and uh, you know dig deeply into things. But um, but I think Hawaii is special in in the grassroots um, awareness uh, around you know the ahupua'a and, and how um, a, an ecosystem functions. I think there's sort of a um, I don't know. There's a keener community sense here. We we all use the ocean as our playground. Um, that's the place where we can can all go and and um, use recreationally. Um, and I think a lot of people use the outdoors in a way in Hawaii that that maybe they not they're not as familiar in other places. So I think there's a familiarity with the resources. I think Hawaii is really you know the outdoors and the environment are really well loved. I don't know that um, in a lot of the technical times that it's well understood how the systems work, how stressed they are, um, and, and how, you know, really it's beautiful when you look at it from afar, um, but, you know, what lies under the surface of that ocean or, or what, what really composes that um, fo- forest on the, on the hill. It may be green, um, but is it, is it really capturing, you know, the, the most water that it could as a native ecosystem? Those types of things are different. Or, isn't, or if, even if there's a beach that's still there when we've lost so much beachfront. So at this point, when you begin to tackle this with other people, and we're going to start talking about the report in a moment, is there a way that you feel that it's it's better to approach the environment than in ways that we've seen others try to do it? Not just because you've produced a report that is accessible, but given the fact that so many people are so challenged, as you've just talked about, Josh, and that it only strikes you when you see something usually wrong 
as opposed to doing the preventative measures, and that's tough. Is there a way you think that we could better be talking about our environment? I'm watching all of you just sort of think there for a second. Because you know, we talk about this a lot, and, and on the morning program, on, on the conversation, certainly on Town Square for years, we've had lots and lots of discussions about what we need to do to be able to make sure that we have a, you know, sustainability across the board in, in many different ways for, for food, for water, for tourism, to be able to protect this place so that others will want to come and see it and enjoy it without causing further degradation. At the same time, a lot of that seems to just be lost in a lot of conversation, and yet it seems we've come to a threshold where uh, you know, we talk about what's been happening with corals and we're constantly told we need to do the things that we can do and yet a lot of people are saying we're just not doing them we're doing enough so do you think there's a better way of crafting some of those messages well i think you know one way to think about these things is in economic terms um you know really an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in a lot of these uh, places and you know investing small amounts over time to preserve and protect um can really add up and i think you know especially when we look at infrastructure um, when we look at stormwater, we look at natural resource, you know, disaster. If, if we have a um, strong um, ecosystem that's there to function for us, um, it actually protects us in a lot of places um, within economic systems and, and costs us less over the long run. So um, I think that's one place where we can be talking a lot more about, you know, consistent, regular investment in the resource actually saves our society in the long run um, from, from big hits. Not just a message of this is the right thing to do and to do it for all those right reasons. Eric? I think I think it's a really good question and I think it's one of those things where if we if we knew how to kind of crack that nut, we would have, you know, done it already. And so I think we're constantly trying to think about how to get this more on the forefront of folks' minds. Um, as Josh said, I mean I think we're our collective resident consciousness is a little further along than I would think uh, some other places would be just because you know, we're a small island state. We're a large ocean state. We use, you know, these places for, um, you know, a, a, a lot of different kinds of sustenance, not only physical, but emotional, uh, cultural, uh, recreational. So uh, I think it resonates with folks. I think the challenge sometimes is uh, not maybe understanding, as uh, Josh was saying, kind of the, the, the nuances of very complicated natural systems. Uh, but it's also tough because... You know, yeah, you you might uh, you might wonder what all the fuss about climate change is when you know the mountains are green, or you know, and they they look beautifully green right now. But you know, m- maybe we don't uh, fully realize that uh, a lot of those species are not native, and that we've you know we are the uh, we we are one of the extension capitals of the world. Uh, the, our sunsets are just as beautiful over our ocean, even when we don't realize there might be invasive species or coral, coral bleaching issues happening out there. Uh, I think another way uh, to maybe think about how we're more engaged in this, uh, not only understanding but work moving forward, is really building um, more opportunities, uh, both in terms of training and employment for uh, local natural resource professionals, management professionals, um, making sure there are opportunities for our up-and-coming generations, for people who love the ocean, people who love um, our mountains, to be able to get up there and, and make a living out of that way of life. A lot of people say that they love the ocean and they love the mountains and they, and they love the fill-in-the-blank, whatever it may be. 
But love is sort of one of those words which has become rather devalued, you know. Um, People who really love and really do and act on that love behave very differently than people who sort of throw the word around a whole lot. And when we hear people say things like how much they love our environment or we should really love our environment, that seems to ask something of people that maybe they haven't been trained to do because this takes a lot of effort. This is not going to be something easily done. I mean, even the simple stuff, you can still watch people turning the tap on full-blown for something that only needs a trickle. You don't even you know, need to have that much. Really, really simple things, watering at the wrong time, all kinds of things that you would think that by now the you know, message would have gotten across, especially to people who supposedly love their environment. Murray, do you think that we really don't love our environment as much as we say we do? Well, I think we do, but... Part of the problem is awareness. So if you don't know what you're doing can be harmful, obviously that's a problem. And this report is partly directed at that. A lot of it is just to bring out the – start an honest conversation about what the trade-offs are because life is about trade-offs. There's a lot of things we love in Hawaii. There's a lot of things we love about the environment. But certain things uh, – there's a trade-off between a different – actions that we might take to help the environment, there's almost nothing that has zero impact. And so what impacts are acceptable, which ones are not? How can you make the best impact that balances these different parts of the environment that are all connected together? If we don't start that conversation of what are those trade-offs, what are the opportunities, what are the challenges that we face, then it's kind of like anything that you don't really watch, you don't really track. One day it's gone, and you don't really know what happened to it. And you kind of say, oh, wow, that's a shame that that left. I wonder how that happened. And we just don't want that to happen. If you're just joining us tonight on Town Square, we're taking a look at the very first, very first State of the Environment report that was produced through the Hawaii Community Foundation's Environmental Funders Group. And it came out yesterday. We've got copies of it sitting around our table here. And you can look at one of your a copy for you if you want to, just simply by going to Moku. Dot com. That's H-E-L-O-N-O-M-O-K-U dot com. And you can pull it up and have a look at some of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Beth Ann, you know, I think I think it's a, a really good thing to point out um, of yours. And a friend of mine a long time ago pointed out to me, her name is Pauline Sato. She's out there. Aloha, Pauline. Uh, that, you know, Hawaii's environment might very well be well-loved, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's well-cared for. And those are it's a distinction I think that's important to make. I love my truck. I'm not always very good about keeping it clean and, and well-maintained. So uh, really kind of uh, focusing on how and why we love it and what that means for our behavior, what that means about uh, what we can change to ensure that our kids are bestowed upon them some environmental progress instead of problems that we leave them. And it looks like they're going to have enough problems as it is. Yeah. Okay, if you're just joining us now on Town Square, we are talking about the environment, but in the context of the State of the Environment report that was produced through the Hawaii Community Foundation's Environmental Funders Group, our number is 941-3689 if you're on Oahu, or 877-941-3689 if you're on a neighbor island. And we want to hear from you. We always talk about the environment. We seem to have it come into conversation a great deal. We are surrounded by such beauty. But underneath all of that, if you lift the corner a little bit, if you kind of put your toe down beneath the sand a little bit, maybe there's something other thing other happening there that we need to be mindful of. And the question is really, are you mindful 
of our environment. And if you say you love it, what are you willing to do to protect it? That, in part, is uh, why this report was developed, to raise awareness and to be able to get some understanding of some data that's already been compiled, but this time in a way that's digestible, that's easily accessible, and something that might be very meaningful to you. So we want to hear from you, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We always talk about how water is the new oil, you know, that without water there there is nothing. And here we are in the Pacific. We depend upon rainfall. We know that rainfall is changing and changing appreciably, that drier areas are becoming even more dry, and that the forecast for that to continue will mean that we will have to be making some real adjustments as we go through. But making adjustments is tough. That's Nobody likes change. But when we're talking about something as basic as water, you know, the potable water, things that we need to be able to drink, to bathe, I mean, just even, you know, water your plants. But for the basic of, of life, how much more of a case do you need to make about how important it is that we refocus our attention on fresh water? Josh? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the original case was made in, you know, the language of this land where vi is water and vi vi is wealth. Um, so, you know, it, that sort of shows what the resource priority was um, and should be again today for us. Um, you know, water, we, we're really blessed. Uh, our, the geology of these islands, um, and especially Oahu, really allows us to capture and hold much more water than many other places. Um, and we just want to make sure that we, um, that, we, that we don't waste that opportunity. Um, we are getting less rain, and that is a direct result of, of climate change, of global warming. Um, it's about 18% less rain uh, now than 30 years ago. Um, and you wouldn't know it by looking outside this, this past summer, but when you look at it in aggregate over time, there's a, there's a downward trend. And so really what we have been focusing on at the Community Foundation is um, listening to people who know water best um, and pulling together collaborative solutions around how to capture every single drop that hits our islands and then how to use it wisely once it does. Um, and so, you know, we've identified three areas, uh, conservation, reuse, and increasing recharge, um, where we can um, do some uh, some different tactics and policies, and, and thankfully, um, you know, the the state legislature this last session showed some really le- real leadership on water security. There was a, a more than a dozen bills that were um, that were passed out of the, the Waterland Committee and and went on, and the governor signed um, that really kind of set us on a on a slightly different course around water. Right, and of all those bills, what do you think, though, is is mostly going to be able to hit the mind of an average person in in terms of understanding how important the water is and not blowing the tap full-blown or being able to save water in some way, being able to use their own gray water, even just for watering plants, I mean, just simple stuff. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think there's a difference between system-level uh, sort of change and then individual, um, you know, behavioral change. And, and we really think the low-hanging fruits around the system stuff, if, if we can implement water audits, uh, which the state legislature passed um, and uh, helped fund, so that we don't have leaky pipes in our water, water system levels. That's water that's just being wasted. It's not, it's not anything about anybody turning off the tap. And so we feel like doing those kinds of things, the lowest hanging fruit first, um, and making the systems as resilient and strong as possible. And then, um, obviously, alongside that, 
we're doing education campaigns and getting folks to um, change their behavior so that we are more thrifty, um, but really tackling the system level stuff that we can that we can hit first. And how much of that do you think is actually being tackled? Uh, well, it, you know, over the next four years, there will be um, water audits performed on each of the water purveyors all throughout the state to find out where how much exactly is not making it from pump to to tap and uh, where those losses occur, and then uh, trying to fix and repair those. And you know, the Board of Water Supply here on on Oahu Island has been um, doing that already to to some success. They've already lowered their leakage rate from I think fifteen percent to twelve percent. Um, just by you know being really innovative about finding those leaks, going out and repairing them, um, and and repairing the mains. So I think we've got a lot of got a lot of room to gain in there. That also seems to parallel what homeowners have been asked to do to check pipes and to check around the house to make sure that they don't have leaks because just you know letting a tap drip or any other leak in there ends up costing you gallons and gallons every day, and then multiply that over year, multiply that by households. Uh, is there any thought to being able to run a parallel campaign uh, at the consumer level? Because it seems, you know, over four years to get an audit and then to see what happens and to make a plan. That seems almost like four years lost of people doing their own waste. There is. There's some really interesting stuff happening um, that uh, through the Energy Accelerator here in Hawaii, they've added a water track. Um, and so they've gotten a couple um, startup businesses that are looking at, you know, one around messaging to customers. Here's what your you know, water use is, here's what your average neighbor's use is, and let people see where they sit on that continuum. Um, so Similar that, to what people see when they get the electricity. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. if, if you see what your average neighborhood use is, um, and you know if you fall above or below that, and in California where they've piloted some of this work, you know, they've gotten savings of 4 to 5% um, in water use just by people knowing that, whoa, I guess I'm, I'm using a lot more than my neighbor. I wonder why. Maybe I can change my behavior. Um, there's also ways to sort of uh, up, you, you know, use technology to identify where there's leaks um, at the residential level and let the water company know that, and then they can reach out to the customers and let them know that something's happening on their property. All right, we've got callers who are on the line. If you'd like to join us, 941-3689 is our number, or 877-941-3689. Going to Jasmine, calling us from Oahu. Aloha, Jasmine. Thank you for your patience. Hi, thank you. Um, Jasmine, you so need to turn down your radio. I just, I just did that, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> are you guys okay? <laughs> now uh, we are. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to listen in, but and it seems like you guys may have touched on this just now, but I'm I'm originally from California. We've been here a month, um, and, you know, from California coming from, the you know, just our drought-stricken straight state, we have had to conserve water and really watch, like, how we wash our dishes and how much we use the tap and now that we moved here my husband is convinced that it just doesn't matter he'll run he'll run the water and he'll have the tap at full blast and i keep on going over there like babe stop it you know i'm like you know put down the tap like you don't need to do it full blast I'm like we're in hawaii it's fine it rains every day here how do i educate him about it it's not about it being a drought chicken straight or just being in hawaii where it rains every day like i don't I know that it matters, but I'm not sure I understand why it matters here as it does in California. So is there a way that you guys would explain that to someone? Well, I think you have lots of people around this table, or at least three of them, who will be able to have a few choice words for your husband about not running that tap full blast. All right, Josh, I know you've already had a few things to say. Eric, what would you add? Well, I think, you know, we are one of the most isolated landmasses on Earth. 
And it's one of those ironies that while we're surrounded by water, we don't have a lot of it to drink. And I think it's pretty hard sometimes to remember that we are complete, we need to be completely self-sufficient when it comes to the amount of fresh water we have. Uh, our, our particularly our native forests uh, are very good at capturing that rainfall and having that uh, drain into our aquifers. But that is a freshwater lens that kind of floats above um, the salt water and, and the internal kind of um, parts of our island that are very susceptible if we overdraw those. And so it's, as Josh was saying, I mean, it's, it is in, indicative of just how valuable freshwater is on, in these Pacific islands. You know, vai is water, vai vai is, um, is wealth. And so the importance of that freshwater here is something that cannot be over, overstated. Um, and if we, if we lose our rainfall, if we start losing our native forests, which we have been quite steadily for a long time now, uh, and as our climate changes uh, and as the clouds, you know, if, if it just gets a little bit warmer, our clouds float a little bit higher in the sky and they don't quite hit the islands uh, as well as they used to, which reduces our rainfall. And so what happens is we have less to use in those aquifers. And that's happening. That's happening now, as Josh, Josh mentioned earlier. In addition to that, uh, we, you know, there's just more of us every day. And we have an incredibly, obviously, as, as I'm sure you know, Jasmine, a, a robust uh, tourism um, economy. And so we have a lot of folks here using a lot of water, not just residents. So uh, it's a shared problem. And so our solutions need to be shared. And, and that starts, you know, with your tap at home. Jasmine, good luck. It's a, it sounds like you may need it. <laughs> right, Thanks for the call. Next, uh-huh. next we've got Jan calling us from Kauai. Aloha, Jan. Welcome to Town Square. Aloha. Hi there. Yeah, our concern is about our water as well. On Kauai, we have um, a large industrial dairy that wants to come in at Mahalapu, which is upslope about eight-tenths of a mile from a really beautiful coastline. Mahalapu Beach is sort of a fountainhead for the entire South Shore. But alarmingly, the dairy is going to be placed above the Kaloa Aquifer, which feeds and recharges our three county wells that provide all the drinking water for Poipu and most of Kaloa. And so we're really concerned about the fecal contamination and the nitrates uh, leaching into the aquifer. We obtained documents from the county and found that the wells here are described as at high risk for potential contaminating activities, one of which is dairy. They're described as irreplaceable, and the aquifers are described as unconfined. So we don't know how to best address it, but the community has been doing everything they can to bring to the attention of the public officials that it's really not such an Akamai idea. And most concerning is the fact that as a condition of their lease, the dairy um, has a provision that they can draw up to 3 million gallons a day from the Waitaw Reservoir, which is one of the state's largest reservoirs now. And it's only large because of an old sugar diversion of the Hulea stream that is 100% 
stream diversion, and it takes all the water now into that um, reservoir because they stopped mm. irrigating. You know, when the sugar stopped in 96, they closed down the ditch network that was all over in thousands of acres of sugar. And so the water goes cascading down into the um, Waitaw Reservoir. But at the rate of the dairy proposes to Jan? use 2.93 million gallons daily, Jan, I don't know Jan, how long the let me see, will be Let there. me see if I can get you some, some answers in here, or at least some more things to think about. Now, obviously, she's talking about the dairy, which is another project of Ulupono Initiative. But as you are hearing her concerns, these are concerns that you've been hearing from a lot of folks on, on Kauai. This is not new, but, but deeply held concerns about this, sure. and especially after we've just heard Joss talk about water, something that is, is living and breathing. Murray Clay, can, can you answer her a bit? Sure. I mean, they're absolutely right to be very concerned with uh, water resource quality. We all should be very concerned about that, as Eric pointed out, being on an island, we can't uh, just take water from the river from the next state over because the next state over is about 2,400 miles away. So that's definitely a very valid concern. I would say that uh, that's one of the main reasons, actually, we did an, a voluntary environmental impact statement and entered that process over a year ago and have done extensive efforts to make sure there's far beyond the ordinary levels of protection put in place in terms of the design of the dairy. And I can't go into all the technical details. It would be too long. But we're really confident that what we're doing is going to be really a showcase of sustainability. We'll restore the soils, protect water resources, and really help us bring back local food. We're not really talking so much about local food in this report today. We do note in this report that agricultural lands have declined, farmers, ranchers, people that work in that sector have declined, and that local food production is dropping off. And This is an effort to environmentally, sustainably bring that local food back into production. All right. You want to add something to that? Other one of you? Don't have to. All right. Going to move over to Evan, also calling from Kauai. Aloha, Evan. Welcome to Town Square. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Um, I have a kind of a non-political, um, lighter lighter thing. Um, I guess, well, um, my daughter, Carolyn Price, has worked on a sustainability master plan update for solid waste, which is basically the, to deal with the overflowing land landfill and to get a higher diversion rate of recyclable resources and, and construction materials and other mm-hmm. things recovered and, and restored, reused and, and, and resold. And, and um, so, first of all, if if people start hearing or reading about a sustainability master plan update that involves um, uh, six bins at, at hotels and commercial buildings where um, like condo associations and hotels would have um, plastic, aluminum, metals, glass, paper, and cardboard all collected by the current commercial hauler, but it, mm-hmm. it, it would just go to a compaction and bailing center on the south shore or on the north shore or in Kapaa, not driven all the way around around the okay. island. Ev- Evan, uh, Evan in, in the interest of time, I'm just going to ask you, how okay. is that relating to talking about you know fresh water, marine conservation, and, and renewable oh. energy that we're, that we're focusing on okay, with this report? Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was 
general sustainability. Okay, so well, sustainability so, um, is an important is an is an important thing. But if you're going to relate that to we're what we're water. talking okay. about the water issues, well, but Josh wants okay. to answer you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and, I think okay. The, the the other thing is there's a soap um, bars of soap reclamation program also as mm-hmm. a component of that to keep bars of soap out of the landfill and actually just have um, liquid hand soap in refillable containers for all the hotels that, that wouldn't so that that would be the only water, related water issue but but thanks for for all you're doing and I and I would like to, to see science not just um, misused by everybody that wants to but you know we have science that we agree to for vaccines and science that we agree to for medical but when it comes to science for agriculture and science for um, Know, sustainable on on island food production, we somehow the science goes out the window and it's just emotions, and that's a little bit unfair to pick and choose when you want to believe in science and and when you want to get emotional. So my hope would be to have science and data do more. All right. Evan, be a bigger part of the argument. Thank I mean, you. I mean, many people would say that you know there are many things about science that we don't agree on, including for vaccines and and others. But you know, the point is that people picking and choosing whose science is you know better than whose science and what is going to trump another you know person's report or survey or all of that. I mean, clearly we see statistics being you know fudged a little bit and and manipulated to be able to make cases. But you know, the idea of hard science and and empirical evidence being what it is without having a lot of other, you know, fungibilities about it is, I think, what what he was getting to. You wanted to say something? Yeah, I I just wanted to get to the heart of Evan's comment, which is um, around uh, waste stream. And, um, you know, the Aloha Plus Challenge does have a goal around reducing uh, waste in the islands. And so that's another place where you can go to the dashboard and check and watch our progress um, over over time. And, you know, some of the ideas that he was throwing out um, are great. And there's, you know, there's really some bright shining um, stars out there that, you know, we love to cite that where they're doing doing things like that, like Reuse Hawaii, when they're, um, you know, making sure that they're diverting uh, construction waste out of the landfill and putting it back to good use. Um, so, you know, that, that type of work is the kind of work that is going to drive that number down over time um, so that uh, our landfills, uh, so that we don't have to have more landfills beyond the ones that we've already um, committed to. All right, we're going to move on and take a few more callers. If you want to join us, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. You're probably maybe driving around not having access to a computer where you can sit down and take a look at this report, but you might want to have a look at it. In fact, those around my table tonight hope that you will. And uh, the report is easily found at Moku H-E-L-O-N-O-M-O-K-U.com. And you'll be able to take a look at exactly what we're looking at around our table tonight, specifically focusing on freshwater and uh, security and marine management, community marine management, and uh, renewable energy. Those three areas focusing or the focus of, of this year's report next year, there'll be a few more added to that along with these being tracked to see how we're doing. So let's talk a little bit more about the report. Who uses the most water in our state? Well, so in, in the report, we actually list the top five water users um, on Oahu. Um, and so we, we drew that information. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you statewide if, if that would apply to the entire state. Um, but they're, you know, they're the folks that you would suspect, really big, huge operations like the airport, 
um, like the Marine Corps base um, and, and, and others. So, you know, where you've got a lot of activity happening, um, you use a lot of water, and that, that's sensible. Uh, I think, you know, what we're trying to, um, to push forward with this report is talk about, you know, are there ways, are there tactics that you can use to reduce that, u- that use? We're, not gonna, we're never going to get away with, you know, using no water. Um, but we are going to be able to become more efficient and uh, more resilient in our uh, design. And I know, you know, the University of Hawaii uh, at Manoa is a big user, um, but they're, you know, they're looking at different ways to capture um, stormwater um, and, and reuse water um, so that they lower their water footprint. And we really admire that. Murray, they were also one of the big users of electricity. And we saw a whole movement around sustainable saunders and other parts of, of the campus to be able to refocus on that energy use and to be able to decrease it. Looking at how well these two things are allied, how is this tracking with you know, big energy users as well as big water users to understand that both need to be reduced substantially? Indeed they do, and I think it's interesting that, uh, as you are suggesting, that oftentimes the big energy users are also big water users. Oftentimes that's because they've got a lot of people at that location or that campus or base or whatever it is. But those things are directly linked. In fact, a lot of energy, a lot of electricity in Hawaii is actually used to pump water. So whether that's pumping irrigation water or it's pumping water for you and me to drink or the wastewater treatment plants, some islands, it can be like 25, maybe even 30% of the electricity used on the island is for pumping water. So these two things are very much linked. And some of the projects that we can work on actually touch more than just one issue. So, for example, Honolulu seawater air conditioning would use naturally cold, deep ocean water to cool the downtown buildings. And because you're doing that, or if we get that completed and do that, because you're not using cooling towers, which if you think about it, are evaporating drinking water, potable drinking water is being evaporated into the atmosphere to cool buildings, that one project could save 260 million gallons of fresh water a year while reducing Oahu's electric load by more than 1%. That's one project. So a lot of these things are connected. That's one of the great things. Not only is the environment connected, but sometimes the solutions are also connected. What's the status of that project now? It was very much in the headlines for a while and then fell off and I think probably fell out of consciousness for a lot of people. Yep. It's got Nearly all of its entitlements done, so the state and the federal EIS are done. Most of the permits and so forth are done. They're in the process of signing up customers, and they've got, uh, I could give you the technical specs, but a ton of cooling capacity probably wouldn't mean very much to you. But they've got uh, about a fifth uh, to maybe a, a third of the amount they need to build the thing under contract now, and you want to see a larger percentage under contract before you actually go to build it. It's kind of like if someone is to build uh, a condominium, you want to have a certain number of those apartments or those condominiums pre-sold before you actually build it. It's the same idea with the seawater air conditioning project. And the timeline on this? Well, it depends on how quickly people sign contracts. The the nice thing or the the interesting thing is because oil prices have dropped recently, people feel less uh, of an urge to do that, even though it still makes sense over the long run. And that's really the challenge environmental issues really face is if you look at things over a very short period of time, it usually does make sense to waste or to do things like that. If you look at it over the long time, a long period of time, it never, almost never does. And so we're trying to get building owners and managers that might be only focused on this year's budget to think about 
do I want to be subject to those volatile energy prices for the next 15 or 20 years, or do I want to have this much more fixed, lower rate over a long period of time? And that's tough. I mean, our family, we call it the forgettery. It works really, really well. It does. And it, you know, when you, when you see the number of big cars and trucks that were sold last year and the year before, because, you know, oil prices are low, gas prices have been so low that it just falls out of mind. But does it fall out of your mind? That's the question. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. The question being, do you really focus in on our environment with your actions as well as just, you know, the, the periodic lip service that a lot of people give to what we need to do to be able to maintain ourselves on these islands and to be able to maintain these islands so that they will be there for our children, our grandchildren, and generations off into the future. Going to go now to Tom, who's been waiting patiently, calling us from the Big Island. Aloha, Tom. Welcome to Town Square. Aloha. Yes, I'm uh, from Lapahoyhoy on the Big Island. And um, when I retired from HPD in 2008, I I took a course over at UH uh, Hilo. It's part of the UH Manoa system. It's for the... um, Master Gardener program, and my reason for doing that was um, when I bought my property in Lapahoyhoy. Uh, it's real country. Um, I found out that there was a little critter that was running around on my property, and it was later identified that I had um, the little fire ants. Um, and my concern is, would be with um, environmental security for uh, uh, all the islands, um, and where it regards to state inspectors how uh, for years and years and years um, we didn't have a problem like with the cokey frogs or the little fire ant. But within the last 15 to 10 years, um, the ball was dropped on those issues. And how um, Hawaii Island, for example, um, attention wasn't really given to the fire ant problem until maybe five or six years ago. And, and, and I, can, I can attest to that as being a... Um, a master gardener, we would go out to all the farmers' markets mm-hmm. and give classes on, on how to identify and how to treat. But we aren't getting the funding. And I, I say that by funding is on last uh, Friday there was a Democrat rally in Hilo, and I was able to speak with a federal, um, one of our federal delegation, and asking the question, are we able to get more federal funding to fight this menace? That representative of ours said flatly he wasn't aware we had a problem with it on the Big Island. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very interesting how certain people really will see a problem or pay attention to it, but when it begins to affect you, that's that's usually when it gets your attention. So, you know, as as you're looking at this, Tom, you're looking at it through the lens of something that's really affecting you. In this case, the fire ant. But in well, in general, but but I mean, you're master gardener. I understand that when you go in there and, and you see things happening like this in your garden, that's getting your attention. You're trying to get other people to pay it pay attention to it as well. But in integrating that to the whole issue of, of what we pay attention to in Hawaii with, with our environment and with what we need to do to, to conserve it, to be able to live a quality life, even just to have water, are those issues also percolating when you have conversations with, with friends and neighbors? Well, it goes from mountain to makai, Malka to makai. Um, for example, we had a, a meeting last week in my neighborhood regarding, um, we have a, a, a bill right now in our county council regarding the um, styrofoam packaging, uh, food um, plates and um, cups and so forth, and how that's coming up, um, it may be banned on the Big Island. Um, so that's one issue. Okay. Uh, water for myself is not an issue. Lapahoyhoy, we got 179 inches of rain last year. Um, 
So, you know, Which each, sort of proves the each, point that when, when it's not an issue for you, it's not an issue for you, but someplace sure, down and, the road and each, where it's an issue, that's a sure, different story. And, and, and I, I want to get, jo- not- get Josh into this conversation for a second. Go ahead, Josh. Sure. Uh, I mean, you bring up a great point, Tom, which is, you know, the invasive species um, sort of wave that we're facing. Uh, in the report, we do talk about, you know, the the department that's responsible um, to help protect us, and that's the Department of Agriculture. Um, you know, surprisingly enough to a lot of people, they don't know that that's one of the charges of the Department of Agriculture. Um, and, the, and the Department of Agriculture really needs the uh, the resources and the appropriate uh, amount of funding to help, um, you know, defend the islands from some of these guys. And it gets back to my earlier point, I think, around ounce of prevention, pound of cure, because when you look at what a fire ant um, problem can do to tourism, when you look at what the koki frog has done to the real estate market, when you look at what rapid ohia death um, will do for our water table, um, you know, these things... Uh, they they can hit us hard economically if we don't um, do the upfront work. And, um, you know, though we focused on these three areas for this first report, um, you know, I think invasive species is something that we'll definitely get focused on in in future iterations uh, as this report goes forward. Yeah, I mean, the point being that none of these things exist in isolation. I mean, in the same way we don't. But what selectively gets our attention has to be, you know, partly address too, because as, as he said, you know, if it's not an issue for you, if you've got lots and lots of rain, then, you know, all this business about water and conservation probably just literally rolls right off you. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Tonight, we're talking about a new report that came out just yesterday. It is the State of the Environment Hawaii 2016, put out by the funders group, uh, to the, the Environmental Funders Group. And we want to hear from you if you've had a chance to take a look at it. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. And even if you haven't had a look at it, when we talk about our environment, how actively involved in protecting it are you with both little things and and, and big actions? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Part of the driver of of putting out this report in, in handleable, digestible and accessible bits was to be able to raise awareness. And that's at least the hope of the Environmental Funders Group. But for you, are you already considering yourself aware? And if so, what actions are you taking to back that up? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Gabriel calling us from Ha'iku. Aloha, Gabriel. Thank you for your patience. Aloha. How's it? Not bad. How are you? Good. Yeah, so I wanted to revert back to the um, conservation of water real quick. Um, I noticed, uh, and I believe it's in the statewide, that we're not allowed to, um, by building codes, have gray water systems at our homes. And I think that would be a really good asset that we would have at our houses to conserve water, and I want to know what you guys thought about that. Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Gabriel. I think, um, you know, the local counties adopt plumbing codes, and those plumbing codes uh, come out occasionally. I think they come out on even years. Um, And so the most recent uh, versions of the Unified Plumbing Code, I think, allows for some gray water use. Um, You know, it it takes a while for our different jurisdictions to adopt the newer rules. I'm not sure what year County uh, of Maui is operating on, um, but I know that there is uh, at least, I think on Oahu, um, there's a move to adopt the newer um, the code rules. So, I mean, this is a great place for folks to plug in and, and contact your 
um, you know, your representatives and ask, you know, what, what year of plumbing code are we operating on and, and can we get the okay to do uh, gray water in our next iteration? Somebody yeah, it'd be good to do uh, my due diligence just as a homeowner, too, to look into that and then possibly look at making it a mandate in the state or even by county by county to, uh, so that we actually are going to conserve all that shower water, bath water. And, and another point about it, too, that I see is that um, we wouldn't be putting, say, soap and stuff like that into our septic systems, which could, you know, extend the life of your, uh, your leach field and all of that. Good points, Gabriel. Thanks very much for the call. Thank you. And going now to Vincent calling us from Wailuku. Aloha, Vincent. Welcome to Town Square. Doing aloha. Hi there. Aloha. How are you doing? Doing pretty well, thanks. Good. Good. So, um, you know, I appreciate it. I'm just getting, getting done making some... Uh, Sorry about that. We're having a phone system that's uh, obviously is, is having a tizzy. Okay. Go We're ahead. We're still here. That's good. Um, appreciate the show. And, uh, you know, Beth Ann, I'm president of Hawaii Farmers Union United and really appreciate the, the uh, topic today. And uh, just getting done uh, doing a, making a bunch of compost with a friend of mine on my way home, and I picked up the show. So I'm really happy to hear that you folks are talking about these things. I think what, what folks uh, don't realize what's going on with our agricultural department is that this year at legislature, it went from 0.4% to 0.38%, which means that the Department of Agriculture took a $1.2 million hit on their budget in order to support our agricultural system. And, and then people don't realize, too, that that budget also encompasses the weights and measures of gas stations. So, I mean, we're already up against it big time trying to be paradise on earth agriculturally, as we're seeing around the world. and uh, But with less than one half of one percent of the budget, it doesn't fare very well. So I, I would really like to encourage your listeners to um, get to legislature and to testify about having more agricultural support. I know Ulupono has been really good in creating this initiative of all the agricultural groups to come together so we can be one voice at the legislature. And that that really speaks volumes in our ability to get points across to legislature that, you know, this is not about anti-anything. This is about a, uh, a collective effort to, to be solutionary. And, 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 and Vince, um, do you think it's possible? So it, is, it, is it possible to speak with one voice? I mean, we've seen such kind of dissension in, in agricultural circles. Is that possible for everybody to, to come together under at least you know, this banner? Well, it, it's always possible whether or not people will um, uh, not be so committed to being right as opposed to being in relationship. I think that's the, that's the key here. You know, there's there's you know people are so bent on being right that they forget about relationship. And in our islands, as you know, and everyone knows, because we are so isolated, relationships are very important. Relationships not only with one another but with the land. And you know, water quality is built around our relationship with the land. The more carbon we put into our soils, the more aquifers would be recharged. And I know Ulupono's initiatives, uh, the dairy that they want to put in, it's, it's, all, it's a conscious effort to recharge the aquifers, not to dump mm-hmm. a bunch of nit- nitrates in there. Um, you know, when you're mob grazing, when you're feeding cows on grass, uh, you're able to, um, you know, basically build the soils, which builds the humic content of the soils, which 
puts more carbon into the soils, which allows for more the soils to act like a sponge to hold nutrient and at the same time recharge the aquifers with clean water. I'm, I'm watching. So I'm watching Murray nod as, as you're as you're talking here. I want to get him into the conversation. Vince Manaw, thank you so much for calling. Sure, about that. Take care, dear. You too. Yeah, not surprisingly, I'm shaking my head so much, I'm afraid the microphone's going to break or something here. But, uh, yeah, it's a really important point. We don't want to too much be an armchair quarterback. We recognize that it's very, very hard to balance the state budget. It's it's not easy. There's a lot of competing demands. But it does bear mentioning that the Department of Ag- Agriculture, just as he said, has a huge job. We've already talked about uh, issues relating to water, agricultural water, and otherwise. We've talked about invasive species. Uh, we haven't talked about pesticides, but they have to manage and control a lot of that. They have a huge job, and people are actually asking more of them, and yet their funding is abysmally small for a, a state that really imports 90% of our food. 90% of what we have to put in our mouths to stay alive is imported, and it does kind of feel like agriculture is not the priority in terms of uh, some of the funding. Do you think agriculture is not getting as much of, of, I mean, not just not as much of a priority, but we talk a lot about renewable energy and certain standards around renewable energy. Do we also need to have some real standards around agricultural production? Well, I think there's already quite a lot of uh, rules and regulations involved. Rules and regulations, yeah, but, but in terms of saying we want to have this much produced in Hawaii for our own consumption. I mean, maybe there is something. I haven't seen it. But anybody else know if there's that kind of a benchmark? Well, I don't know if there's statewide agreement on what that number should be, but we do generally. I think there's fairly broad agreement uh, at the legislature and with the governor. I think they usually talk about doubling local food production. So that's kind of the number that I usually hear spoken of. It's not as famous, if you will, uh, a policy as a 100% renewable energy goal, which is it's law. So that's out there. Uh, trying to double our local food production is more a goal that's kind of verbally stated versus being something that's actually in law. I would love to see it be in law, but it's it's very difficult to mandate something like that because consumers have choices. They can buy what they want. Uh, we are happy to see that consumers have shown they're willing to pay a premium for local produce and local... Uh, Go to a know. farmer's market. I mean, exactly. people tend to want to do business with people they know and produce they know, and uh, there's a good chance for that. So we are told... Nine four one three six eight nine is our number if you want to get in a very last quick question, 877-941-3689. As you look at your three areas and the information here, I want to go right around the table and do a couple of takeaways that you think people absolutely have to be carrying with them day in, day out, no matter what, despite all the other information they think that they must have. What do you think they need to carry with them, Josh? Well, I think, you know, the thing that... Um the thing that's going to impact all of our work is climate change. And I think the more that we can think about um, how to act in ways that slow that down, but also in ways that we can adapt to what's already coming our way, um, it'll help make smarter investments. We don't want to make investments in our infrastructure that are going to be obsolete because of what's happening with climate change. So um, to me, really, it's about making, you know, reducing the risk to um, our economy and to our infrastructure and quality of life here by being smart about um, predicting exactly what's going to happen and uh, try to build around that. Eric? You know, Beth Ann, I think one thought or lesson that I've learned along the way that I like to share with everyone is uh, I had the opportunity to sail on Hokulea. And when I was on the canoe, it becomes a real stark reality that 
your ability to take care of that space, that very, very limited space, is a direct reflection of your ability to take care of each other. And I think here in Hawaii, it's really no different. It's on maybe a slightly larger scale. But to properly honor and value uh, all our users, everyone who enjoys our environment, and have open, honest, inclusive conversations about what to do about the problems that are in front of us, I think is really important uh, to, you know, to kind of respect and properly value not only our, our elected leadership in the legislature, but the people within DLNR and Department of Ag and um, other divi- departments that are really working their tail off and doing as much as they can with what they have. Uh, and also valuing, you know, our users. Uh, I think there's uh, there's kind of a false choice out there that um, folks who say fish um, are are kind of the ones who are at fault for our you know our resource decline, and that's that's frankly not the case. And in fact, it's going to take working with folks who uh, take care of our oceans, uh, especially fishers who are out there all the time who understand our resources and their systems, uh, to really find those solutions. And Marie Clay. It's worth pointing out on the renewable energy front, Hawaii is one of the most blessed places really in the world in terms of natural energy resources. We have solar, wind, geothermal, biomass. Hopefully soon wave and other forms of energy will be uh, competitive as well. And yet sometimes the process to develop those projects in Hawaii is, is made more complicated than it needs to be. It takes more time, more money than it needs to develop that. And if we can get out of our own way and support all forms of renewable energy, really get that that uh, opportunity realized, uh, we can have a lot more success. We've had a lot of success so far. We can do even better if, in some cases, we can look at ways to streamline the process and get out of our own way on some of this stuff. So when you say get out of our own way, what specifically do you mean, really quickly? Well, everything from permits, entitlements, development process, getting community support, that process takes two to three times as long as it takes in, say, a state like California that also has high renewable energy goals. It takes a very long time. And there's a lot of reasons we don't have time to go into right now, but that process could be made a lot easier, and we could get a lot more projects a lot sooner in Hawaii. We're going to leave it there for the moment. I want to thank all of you for making time tonight to Josh Stanbro, the Strategy Initiatives and Networks Director of Hawaii Community Foundation, Eric Koh, Senior Program Officer for Marine Conservation at the Harold Castle Foundation, and to Marie Clay, who you just heard signing off a moment ago, managing partner of Ulupono Initiative. And to you, too. Sorry we couldn't get all your calls in, but take a look at the report and let us know what you think about it. Helonomoku.com. You can find it, and then you can find us on Facebook at Hawaii Conversation, or you can tweet me at BKOZHPR and tell me what you think. Thanks for joining us tonight for Town Square. We'll see you next week and, of course, tomorrow morning for The Conversation. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. Aloha.